What did you have for breakfast this morning? I started out my day with a smoothie. Oh, I love smoothies. What kind? So I make a mock shamrock shake, a banana for the sweetener, cocoa powder for uh, the chocolate flavor, a little bit of peppermint extract, coconut milk, and spinach, and a little turmeric and cinnamon. And it tastes a lot like a shamrock shake. It looks nothing like a shamrock shake. Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit through conversations with extraordinary people. We talk about all aspects of life here, imposter syndrome, breaking free from the script, living with intention, boundaries with family, what it means to be vulnerable, and the fact that we're all really just making this up as we go along. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Meg McKean. She's a daughter, sister, aunt, founder of Adjunct Advisors, where she helps insurance salespeople grow their visibility and confidence as they build their businesses. And this part blew me away. You've been in that insurance industry, Meg, for 20 years, which I, I feel like that's a long time. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but I want to start summer of 2017. You quit your corporate job in the insurance uh, insurance industry, and then you don't have another job lined up, which I've been finding more and more people that are doing this. <laughs> but I'm curious, it sounds like the year after you quit that job was sort of a transformational year for you, and I'm curious why. Oh my goodness. How much time do we have? Where do we begin? Um, the year <laughs> The year was transformational because... It was necessary, and I, I allowed it to happen, right? It was building. It was something that I didn't know would happen when it did. I had a loose plan for it, um, but I was burning out. I didn't know what to call it. That's what we would call it today, using the language that I've developed since that period. But I knew there was something else out there for me, but I didn't know what it was, and I couldn't find it in the current environment that I was in, not just professionally, but personally, how I was showing up in the world just felt off. Frankly, I had an alignment issue. An so alignment I took a break. Issue. Yeah. I like that way of phrasing it. You yeah. took a break from your career or a break from yeah. life or just a break just in a, general? I took a deep breath, right? So so my life, uh, you know, how do we get where we are? Lots of decisions and it's a, a long winding path. But at the time I was 40 and had been in the industry for 18 years and had a lot of opportunity and a lot of success, had a good reputation, but I was single, um, single as in not married in a relationship, but single, no children. Life looked very different than it looked when I started out in my insurance career as a very young woman. And so I had stayed on this path as though my life had continued on its path. And my life had diverted, but my job and my career had very much stayed the same. And so, again, this alignment just way off. I was doing work and serving customers and in an environment that just didn't, it didn't feel like me. I'd spent all of this time doing a lot of deep personal work and then realizing I wasn't able to leverage what made me great, I can say with confidence, in my work. And so I knew that I needed to take, at a minimum, a deep breath 
I needed to reset. I needed to shift and see what else could be possible, knowing full well the insurance industry is lovely. We love to take people back over and over and over again while they figure out their stuff. And so I knew if all that it was was a break, I could come back. If it was something more, that that would be okay too. And I I just, I suppose, let myself, my, my mind wander during that period. And it was great. I like to joke that I took a year of uh, retirement in the middle of my career because that's really what it shaped up to be. So I don't think any person, however long we live, will say, man, I'm, I really regret taking a year off and, and taking long naps and cooking some amazing meals and traveling and, and getting right in my head and in my heart was a mistake. And I certainly don't feel like it was. So You mentioned that you took a break from your career, but also just sort of from life to sort of figure out the alignment, not just from your career, but sort of in life. Like what was, because I think so much of what we do is define our lives by our career. And I'm not a fan of that. Um, But I'm curious, like outside of your career, what was that misalignment? Yeah, so I, I will start let's say like late teens, right? I got good grades in high school. I went to a great college. I, I towed the line. I did the thing. And then I got a good job out of college and I ended up getting married fairly soon after that and was very much on a path that felt like what I was supposed to be doing according to all of the prescriptions that we have as young people about what life is supposed to look like. And my job and my career was very much part of that prescription. You go, you get a good job, you get a nice 401k, you save, you have decent health insurance, and you go on vacation twice a year, and we see you at Christmas, and life is perfect, right? And my personal situation evolved over time, right? I I met and married someone who was the right person at that time, and through decisions and experiences, that unraveled about I don't know, eight years in. And so I found myself in my early 30s, really in a way starting over again. And so I I moved from the suburbs of Chicago into the city of Chicago, and I really developed a new social circle. I started to follow things that really, um, like, for example, I love live music. I've always loved live music, but that was something that I really discovered and dug into in that new chapter in my life. And that led to great friendships, some travel, and really a passion around supporting musicians and sort of all that comes with that industry. Well, that was something that I had not explored in my 20s during that chapter in the decade before because of all the other things that I was focused on, um, decorating a home, making sure that the turkey dinner was perfectly prepared on Thanksgiving, and sort of all of the things that, again, that I had the role that I was playing in that time. So I am in this new chapter in this new city with these new friends and I'm independent really, frankly, for the first time in my life. So I'm, I'm making decisions as a one woman show and was developing a great sense of, um, pride in that process. So being a homeowner as a single person, it was something I had done as a married person, but to sit at closing and sign the paperwork, um, as a woman, as a single woman was a really big deal to me. Um, During that time, I trained for and finished a marathon. I 
I tackled big things and I, I wanted to challenge myself in new and different ways and frankly, impressed myself in new and different ways, in ways that I didn't know I was capable of. And it was, it was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I'm still on, still on my path. I'm still on my way. I'm not done yet. But um, I think it's one of the cool things that I get to do in my work is talk about risk, which is the underpinning of insurance, right? Insurance yeah. is a tool to manage risk. As women in particular, we have a relationship with risk that starts in our, our very, very earliest years. And all of our experiences that we have shape the way we view risk. And typically, we become more averse as we get older. We have more experiences that give us cause for alarm and that force us to take a pause. And so for me, I really have spent the last 10 years exploring my own relationship with risk, pushing my own boundaries. What would happen if I quit my job? What's the worst case scenario? And I literally like wrote down the list, made the Excel spreadsheet. My, my biggest fear is ending up sleeping in my car or under a viaduct off the expressway here in Chicago. And so far that hasn't happened yet. So I've got, I've got some more in me, I think. Um, but it, it's been fascinating to take that very, um, academic, professional view of risk and look at my own life and then look at the lives of the people around me and help them see what's possible. It's really powerful. I did not realize how eerily similar our stories are. What what Ooh. age did you get married? I got married at age 23. Okay, 24. And I was married yeah. for about the same amount of time you were. And your recollection here of sort of starting over after and then getting into this new chapter of life where you didn't really expose yourself to things in the previous chapter, and now you were, that's exactly the same on, on this end, which is kind of comforting, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, I know for me, like you mentioned, you're tending to the house, you're tending to your significant other, and sort of that life you've built together, it's totally different probably than, you know, it's a different evolution of the life you lead now. Did you... When you started that next chapter, did it feel like just a total like, I don't know what the word rebirth, um, but I, I, I envisioned like a blank canvas. That's how it was for me. Like, what do I want to paint now? Like, what do I want to create? And, and it's like so exciting because it could be anything. Um, yeah. did, did you sort of feel that? Yeah. Um, sometimes. And then the other times I was absolutely scared to death. And I want to be scared of. That the chapter I had closed would be the best one, that everything that would follow oh. after would be my definition of a failure, right? That I would, I yeah. would not be able to be partnered again, that I would not be able to, and, and I'm flashing forward a little bit to some of my professional choices, but that my best days were behind me. And mostly I was excited. Mostly I, I will say um, my divorce isn't something I talk in depth about publicly out of respect for my ex-husband. We maintain a very lovely sure. connection. We both work in the industry and and I respect the time that we spent together and what it meant in my total life story. Um, that said, we left our marriage before it got nasty, which is something I'm really proud of. We called it before um, we knew we were done, but we didn't 
rake each other through the coals. And we ended it as professionally as we had always maintained in our careers. And I'm really proud of that. And therefore, it allowed me to start that next chapter with a clean slate. Um, what I didn't do, though, is date for a while. I took about a year after my divorce and I made some great friendships and strengthened friendships and spent more time with family. And I really focused on myself, which saying that out loud feels very selfish, but it was. It was a very intentional decision to make sure that the next relationship, whenever that would happen, I was showing up 100% as me for my partner, not carrying all of the weight of what had been in the past with me. That said, you don't shake it, right? Here I am 10 years out and it still comes up, right? I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still evolving, but I'm grateful for that year. I know it changed the way I dated from that point forward because I had a sense of confidence and clarity about what I was looking for in a relationship and could articulate that, which I think a lot of people can struggle with sometimes. I love that you called out the selfish, like it sounds selfish and it is selfish because I struggle with that too. And I'm with you. Like it, it's important. It's a good thing. It's like in that case to me, selfish is, is good because what I've learned, I, I didn't wait quite a year to dive into dating. It was more just, I didn't know what the hell was going on with dating because I'd never done it before. Um, I'm still figuring it out. But one thing I've noticed getting a little bit further into it is that other person is looking to understand like who you are. And if I don't know who I am, it's going to be really hard to explain to them who I am. Yeah. And so what you just said about like being selfish and figuring that out, I think is so important. But if you had asked me two years ago, I would have said, you know, I don't want to be selfish. Do you feel like you've um, made progress on that? I, first of all, I'll say, I don't think we're ever done probably personally, but do you feel like you've made progress where, you know, when you're ready to get back into that scene, you'd be able to say, this is who I am? So I'd like, I'm making progress, right? I'd like to say that I've got it all figured out. Um, I will say it's interesting building a business and also building romantic relationships. I'd rather build a business all day long. Um, I find myself, it's much easier, much less challenging for me to show up in my business and ask for what I need and advocate for myself and communicate all of the things in my business than it is for me in my romantic relationships. Go figure. I would much rather post it on LinkedIn than have a one-on-one -on -one with a romantic partner and, and use my words, if you will, and ask for what I need. And I'm working on it. And I think it's a two-way street coupling with someone who is on the journey with you is really important. And having that trust and not trust of fidelity and thing, that sort of trust, but the trust that the space is safe and that you can say the thing and know that if it comes out clumsy and awkward, which it often does, that that's going to be okay and that it, you won't be held to it for forever and ever. And um, and adding just a certain lightness and and fun to it, right? Like one of the things that I've I've been challenging myself over my entire lifetime of relationshiping is that fundamentally relationships should bring value and joy to your life. And so fundamentally, if I'm trying to make a situation work with someone that is causing me angst and frustration and sadness, 
for a prolonged period of time, then something's probably fundamentally off in that connection. So it takes far more confidence for me to communicate those needs in relationships than any sale I'm trying to make, any pitch, any any anything in my business, which is fascinating and frustrating to me at the same time. I could see where it'd be frustrating. I Do you, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I feel like you have for all entrepreneurs, it's it's a tough thing to do to, to create something out of nothing, but that something is your livelihood. Um, it's really exciting to hear you speak about it in terms of like, you're comfortable with it. This is what you know and love. Um, have you always, you know, sort of been someone that's okay with like risk and, and going after it and no, no, you're shaking your head. No, <laughs> nope. I am. Um, I don't know if you're into like astrology and personality types and all of that, but I am a type A Virgo and Virgos thrive in order. And just as an example, when I'm stressed out, I clean, I will organize something. I will get out the, the countertop spray and I'll go to town on the count. It's, I'm always looking to put things back in the place where they belong. And so layer that approach on risk. And I would not categorize myself as a risk taker. But yet when I catalog all the places I've been, literally, physically, and then also metaphorically, yeah, I'm a risk taker. And I love to blame and thank my parents for that. Um, I've tried to ignore the fact that I'm a lot like both of them. Um, but it is what it is, right? At the stage of the game. And, and they, uh, built a small business when I was a young, young girl and did very well in the business. And so I grew up with sort of a front row seat um, of entrepreneurship and they were a great team and still are a great team. But my dad, I joke, was very much the vision and my mom was the execution. So he was the dreamer and the thinker and the schemer. And she was the one that made sure the invoices got paid and make, made sure that paychecks were cut and Together, they created a, a really neat company and a livelihood, which I, I'm thrilled to have grown up around, but I am equal parts of both of them and it changes from day to day. So there's days where you quit your job and you start a business. And then there's days where I, I bite my fingernails and say, have I made the biggest mistake of my life? What I'm learning two and a half years in to entrepreneurship is that's normal. It's normal. It's, you can't speed it up. You can't, there's no secret formula. You can't uh, just roll through it. You just, it is what it is. And I don't like that cliche, but sometimes that's the only thing, the only way to describe it, the feelings and the experiences and the challenges and the frustrations and the joys and the validation and the contentment and the pride, all of it. It's the whole experience. I'm, I'm curious Earlier, you mentioned, you know, being misaligned, sort of like we, we, we started talking here about the break you took. I'm curious what those signals were, if any, that sort of alerted you to the fact that not only is my career misaligned, but like my life, I just I feel like I'm in the wrong place right now. What was it that sort of spoke to you? Oh, gosh, I don't know that it was any one thing. Um I think it was it's this idea that that I was continuously evolving. I don't want to say growing, evolving. And 
collecting these experiences in life and meeting new people. And one of the things I started to do in that year that I took off was to show up in places where I wouldn't typically be invited, so to speak, and not in a a mean way, but at meetups for entrepreneurs and panel discussions for women scaling small businesses. And as a corporate person, there would really be no need for me to be there. These were not I just, networking wasn't a thing that I needed to do in the scope of my corporate employment. And so it sparked this sense of curiosity that there might be something else out there, but I didn't know what it was. What propelled me to start showing up at those places? I I say candidly, I now I'm 21 years in to insurance. At the time, it was about 18 years. I spent 18 years in the industry and I spent 18 years trying to get out of it. So my background was in the social sciences. I got this J-O-B out of college. The pay was right. It was a chance to move to a new city in a new state and start a life. And it checked the boxes, so to speak. I had zero interest in insurance. I had zero interest in financial services. I really had no idea what I was getting myself into, which is the story of so many people in the insurance industry. Now, the cool thing about the industry is you can do a lot of things. You can try a lot of things without ever having to leave the industry. But the curse can be once you're in it, it's really hard to leave because we speak a language in the industry that doesn't translate to other industries. You don't jump from insurance and become a creative, typically. You don't jump from insurance and go do any number of professions. And so... Many times I felt stuck. And so I took some chances professionally. I, I moved around. I went to other companies. I, you know, to assume different roles was promoted. It was all, all very good, positive experience I was building, but building what? What was I actually shooting for? I had no idea. Was the goal to be in the C-suite, in the corner office, making all the deals and, you know, making seven figures? No, that wasn't. That wasn't what I was shooting for, but I couldn't tell you what I was shooting for. So I found myself showing up to work, physically feeling the weight of the work I was doing, a lack of enthusiasm. I was good at it, but I didn't want to do it. I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't proud of it. And so it was really uh, like, what, what am I doing? Like, it really was this question of like, and so many people I've had this conversation with over the years, I could never do what you did. I have a huge mortgage. I have two kids. I have a wife who's not working. I have school loans. I have, I, I could never do what you did. What I did is a, I am so fortunate to be able to take a year off and, and do it. But at that moment, there was nothing telling me not to other than a little bit of financial advice saying you're missing out on a 401k match or you're not getting the, um, the, compounding interest benefit by, you know, not putting money in your 401k. Like, yeah, there's a a legit downside financially to taking a year off, but it was a massive investment in me and a massive investment in my quality of life and the ways that I could contribute, not just to the insurance industry, but to the people around me in a, just a completely different, a more wholehearted, a more authentic way. And I was in, I'm like, what's the downside? There just wasn't one it, for me in that moment. I would agree. 
I think you would too. Like, yeah, every situation, not everyone can just take a year off financially. But I think to me, the important part is like the intention that you led with. Like, and I think that would look different for anyone in any situation. So like that worked for you. But I think, you know, had you not been intentional about like, because I think you said at the beginning, like you, you let it happen. Like you let that year off happen. You just intentionally walked forward and had you not done that, I mean, you know, what path might you have taken then? It might have been totally different. So I think, did you at the time feel like you were intentionally doing this or were you just sort of like doing what felt right and you didn't necessarily like realize you were like intentionally going after something? Um, it it was an intentional departure with a future to be determined. I had no idea what I, I like was going to do next. I really didn't. Um, and frankly, I budgeted for about six months off and it's, it, I stretched it to a year. And it was in that second six month chunk that the idea for my business came to life. And I realized, huh, entrepreneurship is probably where this is headed it's interesting because a lot of what I'm fortunate to do now is talk to other women in particular who are considering the what else, what if scenarios for themselves. It's amazing what's going on in the world when you throw a bunch of high potential, high earning people into a pandemic and you give them time and space to think. There's a lot that's possible even still, even now. And I don't have any regrets I in any of it, anything that we've talked about, right? I don't live my life that way. From a, a purely strategic standpoint, it would have been really smart of me to build my business while I was still working full-time, while I still had steady income, while I still had good health insurance, fill in the blank. The reality was the business never would have happened if I had stayed in that position. I wouldn't have had the vision I wouldn't have met the people that I met. I wouldn't have had the, the time for the reflection, for the building, for the trial and error, because I was working full time. I was heads down in a business doing my job. And financially, had, that's been absolutely been the hardest part of taking the leap has been making the money make sense. And it's something that I feel like comes out in the most private spaces between entrepreneur types. And it's one of the things that I wish we talked more candidly about. It's hard. This is hard. You don't decide to quit your nine to five and make six figures within six weeks. We think that that's what's going to happen, but very rarely does it. And we see all the success stories. And, and I like to be careful because I'm in business development. I need people to to buy my things, right? And so I have to present as the expert at which I am. I know what I'm doing. However, I'm in the second, almost third year of building a business and I am exactly where I'm supposed to be and it's hard. And so it's a balance. How much do we show on the outside that we have it all figured out, that we've got this nailed and how how helpful would it be for others to know that they're not alone on this journey. It's hard. And I cannot say that loudly or enough um, how hard it is. Oh, I, I feel like we so often, I'm guilty of this all the time. I feel like everyone else has it figured out. They know what they're doing. And I'm still struggling to figure it out and be 
as confident as they are. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking just with entrepreneurship, just in life. It turns out you talk to people and now they're going through the same thing you are and they don't know any better than you do. And now they're glad that you've struck up a conversation with them so you can both figure it out together. So yeah, Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's interesting in, in the scope of the, the work that I do, I'm working with people that are early in their sales career, typically, and typically women, frankly. And so a lot of what they're experiencing, though they're building an insurance practice and I'm building a different sort of business, there's so much synergy in the places that we're in and the experiences that we're having, which lends an entire, entirely different experience for them when we're working together. It's not me coming in with, this is my 30 years of experience, just do these five things and you'll hit your revenue goal. It's me with them in the moment, feeling the feelings and reading the Brene Brown books and listening to the podcasts. And it's a totally different experience for people in financial services when typically what we've had historically is a lot of experts that don't always have real world experience. So it's it's a pretty, it's a really cool time for me to be doing this work in this part of my own journey, needless to say. It's giving me a perspective that eventually I'll lose because I'll be on my way and I'll be, I'll have achieved success, whatever that means. Um, and so I'm, I'm embracing it for what it is. Brene Brown calls it the messy middle. I'm in the messy middle. Um, and so many of my clients are too. So it's cool. It does feel like you're, I love the messy middle. It feels like you're in a meaningful shift. You mentioned earlier about how kind of that next chapter of your life, you became a homeowner as a single person and, you know, living on your own without a partner. And um, I saw your condo in Chicago is up for sale. It is. We're recording this in the early days of December, 2020. What does 2021 look like for you? Are you getting another condo or is this a next chapter that is to be determined? Yeah, I love that. And I love talking about it because it's still important to dream, right? Despite everything that's going on in the world, oh, yeah. dreams it dreams is. still matter. Uh, so let's rewind a little bit. So I was ready to put my place on the market in March, dot, dot, dot. So it was the the Friday before the shelter in place here in Chicago and talked strategy with my realtor. And she's like, let's list on Monday morning. And I said, great, ready to go. And then COVID and we'll leave it at that. So I made the decision to not list it and just kind of file away the listing and file away the photos until the time was right. I felt like as the pandemic progressed, I had a little bit more clarity about what was going to happen potentially in my business, what my reality would look like. And so I decided to to revisit my plans. My original plan last March was to sell my condo, to travel for a year, facilitating in-person events and meetups for women in the insurance industry. So imagine small-scale salon-type events where we could be together, maybe with a glass of wine, and tell our stories and really connect at a different level than we can do in big facilitated corporate type events. And I was super jazzed about it. And then, of course, in-person meetups and events just completely fell apart. And mine were victim of that, a victim of that as well. So withdrew the plans, withdrew the plans to travel. And then in September of this year, came back around and was like, We didn't know then about 
the timing of the vaccine, you know, there's still a lot to be determined. And I thought if I could do this in a way that was safe for me and the people that I would potentially come in contact with, what am I waiting for? Why not continue the plan? The plan will look a little different, no in-person events, but I have a virtual business. I've always had a virtual business. So as I'm sitting to you with you right now in my dining room, why couldn't I be in an Airbnb in Sedona, for example, or Savannah? So again, flashing back to being 30 and single with the world in front of me, I kept asking myself, why not? What am I, what, what am I waiting for? You know, I, I've been here for 10 years. It's been a wonderful chapter. I'm, I'm so very proud of what I've accomplished as a resident in Chicago and I am ready for a change. And so condos on the market, the real estate market, if you've been tracking is, is quirky right now. I'll leave it at that in Chicago. So it's <laughs> been, you know, I've got about 17 things working against me, including the fact that I'm not in the suburbs. Everybody's moving to the suburbs right now, it seems. But um, like so many things, it just takes one person. And so I'm I'm remaining optimistic. And from there, it's going to be a big purge and putting some sentimental things into storage and really simplifying my footprint and then hitting the road. So um, starting out, out west in Denver, I've got a very gracious offer from a friend to stay with her for a bit. And I'm going to see where the, where the road takes me. So, and then we'll see from there. I have no, I've loved being a homeowner. I've, I was just joking with someone, my ex-husband and I bought a home together before we were married. So I've been a homeowner in some form or fashion for 21 years and I'm tired, frankly, I'm tired of the whole, (laughs) the whole process. So I'm looking forward to living a different lifestyle for a bit which will either validate that homeownership is the path for me and and I head right back there or that maybe there's something else out there. So I'll tell you, that's the plan right now. And if we've learned anything about 2020, plans change. And so, you know, I'll, I'll do what I need to do in order to make it work. And part of, I know your mission and the underpinning of so many of the conversations you have is about resiliency. And I'm learning that, Sometimes being resilient means letting go of plans and expectations. So um, it's definitely the plan for right now, but we'll see. Lots, lots needs to happen between now and then. I feel like resiliency is so much easier said than done. You said it so perfectly. And I thought, oh, that's a good way to phrase it. But I wish it were just as easy as saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Who, yeah. And if somebody says it is, they're, you know, I think we chip away at it. I think yeah. the awareness is such an important first step. And, and I'm definitely working on recognizing the control I have over certain things and letting go of, of what I don't. But it's hard. It's a daily practice, really. Oh, that's yeah. That's the thing. I, I've gotten so much better at that, but I struggle with that still. Yeah. That even when, you know, this happened a couple weeks ago, I was getting tickets for, Oh, I don't remember. Oh, for the, have you ever been to midnight circus in the park in Chicago? They've been doing it for no. about 10 summers. Oh, hmm. it's beautiful. Well, they, the, they go to the local parks and they put on the circus to raise money for the local parks. And this year of course was totally different, but they figured out a way to do open air circus. And my kids and I go every summer and we were all excited. And the morning, 
to get tickets. I totally forgot. And I was with that that afternoon and somehow we thought about it and I was like, oh my God. And I went on the website quickly on my phone and they were completely sold out. And I just sat there and I was like, no, like all you had to do this morning was remember and everything would have been fine. Like, how could you not? And I just sat there and I continued to ruminate in it. And I'm, at the same time, the other half of me is like, you can't control this. It's over. Like, there's nothing yeah. you can do. But the other half of me is like, but if you would have just done it this morning. And again, yeah, the, all I'm trying to say is that control thing is even when you realize you have no control over certain things and there's no point in putting mental energy into it, I, you still, at least I still have, you know, I still put mental energy into it. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I am not a big fan of tough love and that includes tough self-love. I know a lot of people, a lot of gurus, especially coming from financial services are like, you know, suck it up, buttercup, get over it. It, It's, it's an energy that just never has worked for me. And the more I talk about it and the more I share a different way with people, they're like, oh yeah, that feels, that feels good. And so I say, feel the feelings, maybe don't feel them longer than you need to, but be mad, be frustrated, be sad, be disappointed, feel like you've let someone down, feel, feel the feelings. Right. And like when we diminish them or we dismiss them, we're not really honoring who we are and and the people that, that choose us and that we choose in our lives, choose us for the energy that we bring, not necessarily because we're the smartest or because we're the most proficient or the most articulate. It's because of how we make them feel, how we help them feel when they're in our presence. And that's our gift. And so when we don't allow ourselves to be and be who you are, it sounds like an army, you know, commercial from the eighties, but like be all you can be, join the army. Um, it's, it's oversimplifying it, right? We are, we are complex, messy individuals and that's what makes us great. And I see so often people try to diminish the greatness because of who they think they should be. Meg, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. So thank you. <laughs> like, that's I'm just... glad you got it recorded because I could never yeah. repeat it. Oh, I am if too. I <laughs> now I can go listen to it whenever I need it. Um, this this next chapter, selling the the home and and hitting the road. You touched a little bit there on you know maybe it'll help you understand whether or not you want to continue home ownership or not, which I think is definitely a valid question. What else are you looking to find, though? I get the sense like you're in search of something, and I'm not sure if you even know. I know I've been on journeys where I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm probably on one right now. But <laughs> do you yeah. have a sense of like, is there something else you're looking for in this next chapter? One of the things that I've worked really hard on in the last 10 years is to be okay with the uncertainty and the unknown. Oh, I love that. And this is coming from a woman who, just for context... My ex-husband and I bought a beautiful home in the suburbs of Chicago with lots of bedrooms. I had, I drove a, a company-provided vehicle at the time, and so I got the the SUV with the third-row seat that was, you know, we could fit an entire soccer team in this vehicle. We never had children. We were planning. I was living a life 10 years down the line in the moment, and always planning, always thinking so many steps ahead and not really focusing on the here and now. And it's such a simple statement because we say, be present, stop and smell the flowers, the roses. It's it's a thing, it's a cliche, but I was so focused on the finish line that I wasn't really even aware of how I was showing up in in the individual moments. And so the last 10 years have been 
still being responsible, still doing what I'm supposed to be doing as a grown-up, as an adult, but also being okay with the uncertainty of it all. And so to answer your question, I have no idea what will come after some travel. I have some ideas. Um, I am... I have two healthy, thriving parents that live in Michigan, and they're doing great. That may not always be the case. Um, I expect at some point that I will want to be closer to them. So maybe Michigan becomes home. Maybe I split time between here and somewhere else or there and somewhere else. And I'm open to the adventure and the unconventionality of it. I think is the thing that I let go of a while ago, that life has to fit in a prescribed box, that roles have to look the way that you're told that they're supposed to look. And, you know, I'm what What can I do about it at this point, right? I'm 42 <laughs> years old. This is where I have landed in life. And I'm, I choose not to apologize for it. I choose not to make excuses for it. I, I'm choosing to, yeah. to go with it, right? And and that's a very powerful statement. I also want to say there are days where I scratch my head and say, this would be easier if you would just do what you're supposed to do. If you would just go get a job and, you know, make a living and and get promoted and get good performance reviews and do the things, right? But like... But you did all that. I did all that, right? And and life has given me this opportunity to do something different. And for this moment, this this feels right. And the move... And the travel feels right. And I don't know from there where it will take me. And I'm learning to be okay with that. I love I love your story. And selfishly, because it parallels mine, which again, I didn't realize to the extent. Do you... I? So I have children. So I, my part, my path was a little different. But do you ever feel like you've sort of lived it backwards? Like, yeah. You, I've been feeling like this recently and not in a bad way. Like I, it is what it is. I can't change it. And that's the path I took. But so many of the same kind of experiences you're having and feelings of like this new beginning, this new chapter, and maybe there's a couple new chapters coming. And I think, wasn't this what people did in their twenties? Like I spent twenties married as a homeowner, becoming a parent. And then, you know, so do, do you ever feel like oh, totally. you, you wake up in the morning yeah. and you're like, wait a second, I, I did this backwards? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you'd say that because it, it literally, I cannot make this up. It came up in a conversation yesterday. I was talking to a, a woman who's a very dear friend of mine who was a coworker at the time that I was married. So she's known me for a long time and she's known all the versions of Meg. And she made a comment about a particular outfit that I had when I was married and, and I won't bore you with the details, but it was like something that a woman in her sixties would wear. And I wore it with pride. And I, to your point, absolutely. I was, I was an, I don't want to say old cause I, I wasn't old and I wasn't acting old, but I was a settled, established married woman in my twenties. I absolutely, I fit the part. I played the part and it's actually something that has come up, you know, in the very random conversation that I might have with my ex-husband here and there, that this version of me, he didn't know I wanted or existed. And it baffles me just as much as him. I didn't know it was in there either. I didn't see this back then. I was absolutely where I wanted to be in that chapter. But 
A lot of my friends graduated from college and moved to Chicago and got the apartment with 16 roommates in Lincoln Park and then got married at 30 and moved to the suburbs and they're doing their thing. I absolutely did that 10-year chunk in reverse. And so the cool thing is that like attracts like here in Chicago, and it's it's the absolute hardest thing about thinking about leaving Chicago is the amazing community of women that I am surrounded by here who are of a similar age and demographic, have achieved a certain amount of success. They're just really wonderful women. And we have a lot of fun together. A lot of them are not married. They don't have children. We've had very different paths, but they've all put us kind of in the same place at the same time. And it's an amazing um, support to have when you you feel like you don't have to explain yourself to everyone. Because there was a time when I was single again and all my friends were having babies and they're like, you know, how's it going on eHarmony or whatever the, you know, and they don't, they never did that. They never did the online dating thing. They, they haven't been on dates in years. And some of those friendships changed pretty dramatically because we didn't have the things in common that we once did and others got stronger and then new ones formed. So, uh, I would, <laughs> it's all part of the journey. It's so cliche to say, but it is. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I just, yeah, it's so funny that, that idea of, and even me suggesting that you and I have done this backwards, I I say it only half-jokingly, but I also am sort of mad at myself for saying it because then it suggests that there's a right way to do it. And like there is a prescribed, there's a script, right? And like yeah. we, you know, we went to the end, back to the beginning. We, we did it in reverse, but there's still a script that we followed. And I don't like that because I, I think there's there's more to it than, than any sort of script. And I I think there's a whole nother discussion on society and, you know, the way we're raised and how it all comes to be. But what I love about you, Meg, and knowing you for a very short time here, though, is especially in our conversation here, you're so confident and you own this, like, and this, but I mean, like, even the uncertainty in the next chapter. And that's so, I wanted to say thank you, because I feel like I'm at a place now where I feel like I own it too, and I'm confident about it, but I'm still like kind of second guessing myself and like listening to you and thinking, are oh, you in the same similar boat? And you're like, no, this is me. I love that. So thank you for, I don't know, just being you, I guess. Well, thank you for that. Uh, it's it's a good day, right? And I have not good days. And I'm very cautious about absolutes that I'm not always confident. I am I do a lot of work around imposter syndrome. I know that's a topic near and dear to your heart. And I have it. I'm the poster child for it. And I have it sometimes even when I'm talking about it. And so it's a funny, um, it's an an everyday thing to keep to keep working on yourself, working on the way you show up, but also being honest about it. And it's hard. This chapter of my life has by far been the hardest, by far been the hardest. It's been all of the other positive emotions though too. And so it's a bit of a trade-off. Um, but yeah, I... I don't, I'm, thank you. I'll just say thank you. My mom always said, when someone pays you a compliment, just say thank you. Don't, <laughs> don't diminish it. Don't explain it. Just say thank you. So thank you. I like that. I should take your mom's advice because I often diminish compliments given to me. And I realize in hindsight, that's not good for anyone involved. 
She's a smart lady. I'm a lucky, <laughs> I'm a lucky gal. I hit the mom and the dad jackpot. I'm really, I'm really fortunate. Oh, that's great. You said that you're the poster person for imposter syndrome. What I find fascinating about that statement is myself included. Everyone I talk to, we all say that. Yeah. Like, so I think we're all, it's, it's such a, it is near and dear to my heart only because I, just like you, I feel like I'm the poster person for it where, I mean, even to this day, I, I feel like, um, even in these conversations I have, I mean, like, I, I've been thinking more about this because I, I really read into people. And sometimes these conversations, just you and me sitting here and me in my daughter's closet, you in your dining room, you know, I think, what does she think of me right now? Like, you know, does she think like this is worth her time? Does she think like that this is real? Like, you know, he's just a guy on the internet. Like, and it's, there's other days, like to your point of like, I'm like, no, I know goddamn well what I'm doing and I'm good at this and I love this and I'm going to do something amazing with this. So all I'm saying is like, yes, imposter syndrome. Do you, I, I'm curious for you, like, is it a case of with your business or, or with other parts of life or is it just like seep in here and there, like at some point in the day, it's like, wait a second, I, am I good enough for this? Yeah, it's. It's so many things. And I, I want to say, I'm going to back up a little bit. And now it's my turn to shower you with compliments. So absolutely, I think it took me 26.2 seconds to respond when you asked me to come on to the podcast. Absolutely, yes. And having done many of these now at this point, some of them are painful. I knew that this would not be painful. And I mean painful because it's very scripted. There isn't a certain amount of warmth. It's just like, it's stuff I wouldn't want to listen to. So then I'm, I don't feel a great sense of pride when the, the product, the finished product comes out. That said, my imposter syndrome creeped in when I, I was thinking, wow, Tim's guests really, they really go there. And, and do I have the courage to say what I want to say? And do I have the, am I going to say it in a way that's clear and people will understand and I'm not going to come across as this or I won't show up as that? And so, yeah, and I host a podcast. I get it. I know I know what it feels like to try to create these spaces and you can't manufacture them. And so it creeped up today, even before we hopped on this recording, I was doing my usual little rituals of tidying up because that's what I do in moments of stress is I tidy up. And so um, I, I know that about myself and and try to honor it. But it for me in my work, in the broad sense of my work, I would sum it up with the phrase, who do you think you are? That's what creeps into my mind. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to do this work in this time? Who do you think you are? Pause. Because that's the question. I'm 21 years deep. I absolutely belong to be here, deserve to be here. I belong here. I'm qualified. I'm credentialed to do the work. And yet there are days when I question the whole, the validity of the whole thing. Maybe there's somebody better. Maybe there's someone more qualified. Maybe I'm wrong and they're all right. And it's deep. This stuff is, this stuff is powerful. And one of the best parts of my own exploration into imposter syndrome has just been the label of it. Just knowing that it's a thing and that those feelings are valid. Earlier when I talked about feel the feelings, it's one of the coping tools that I suggest is honor the feelings, sit with it, be in the moment. And yes, there are days when I wonder, 
am I qualified to be here? And then the email comes in and somebody wants me on their podcast or, you know, something great happens. And and sometimes those periods are longer in between than others. And it's challenged me to really think about what does success look like? What is the measure? When will I know that I belong to be, you know, being here? Is it a financial measure? Is it is it some sort of recognition or notoriety or validation? And and I still haven't really been able to answer that. Maybe a combination of all, all of them. That was actually the question I was just going to ask both for you and me is what are we looking for as that proof that, you know, who do you think you are? Why are you here? Why do you think you can be here? And yeah, I'm not sure if I can answer that either because it's this delicate balance I find between that confidence we spoke about that we each are building within ourselves about who we are and what we believe to be true about ourselves coupled with like, at least for me, the feedback, like I'm not someone who's looking to be validated from everyone, but there's no doubt that positive feedback works with that confidence to sort of push down the imposter syndrome. And so I wonder if it's like a combination of getting to a point where I can be strong enough to be confident and then like, also strong enough to understand and and appreciate the feedback and sort of like let that meld with the confidence and sort of build up. I'm just thinking out loud here. No, I love it. And, and you let me know when you figure it out. Cause I'm all, (laughs) I'm all ears. I will, I will share so much of what I do is one-on-one I've learned through a lot of trial and error that that's when I'm in my sweet spot. That's when I do my best work is when it's just me and, and another person in the moment. And I had a session with a client a couple weeks ago and I'm not disclosing anything. He had a breakthrough and he said, I'm so glad that we're doing this. I'm so glad that you're here. And I maintained my professional buttoned up composure because I am a buttoned up professional. And as soon as the Zoom session ended, I completely burst into tears. And so when you ask the measure of success in that moment, it was the realization that finally, after 21 years of searching and missing and the misalignment, I am in the moment doing the work that I am meant to be doing. And that's the fuel, right? Like that's the, that's what propels me to keep going was that simple phrase early in the morning that day. And it was like, yes, this is all the other stuff. I just have to figure it out. I just have to figure it out because this is the, this is the drug, if you will. I love that. Such a good drug. I mean, there's nothing like helping others in just that reaction that like, oh my gosh, I was able to create this impact on them. That's so positive. And the impact, but for me, it's personal because it's the, it's what, it's what all the searching was about. It's, it's finally, it's a sense of relief in a way that I had so many situations that I knew weren't right for me. There's a Shel Silverstein poem called The Voice. And I wish I had committed it to memory, but it's something along the lines of um, there's a voice inside me and no one no one can tell me what's right or wrong except for the voice inside me. And I'm a huge believer in instinct and trusting your gut and that those are muscles that we flex and we grow throughout our lives. And so I'm left with this just huge sense of gratitude and awareness that all of the steps that I took to get here, I had to take. Or I wouldn't be here. And that if, if that's what it took to arrive in this moment, 
then we're all on our way. And I don't know what's next. I don't know where I'll be living in a year. I don't know what my business is going to look like. It's still a pandemic, right? Like it's, I'm not where I want to be yet in my business, but just that simple validation that it's possible. It's possible that I could pull this off. Like, no way. You don't say like, huh, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm here and I'll tell you in March when, when the world turned upside down, I threw my financial goals out the window and I said, I just want to be here. I just want to have a viable business at the end of this. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to be, I want to be here. And I'm so grateful that I am. And I'm so aware of the reality of so many other people who don't, who don't have that. And it's even more commitment and, um, commitment to keep going. And not knowing what's coming tomorrow and all of sort of the next details, your next chapter is I'm, I'm very similar. I I kind of actually like that. Um, I, I'm not one to plan out very far, but I'm curious, despite that, do you have a sense of sort of in that bigger macro picture, sort of like, I hate saying what is your legacy, but thinking about like the bigger why, like what you are here to do or the impact you're here to create. Do you have that answered for yourself? I could, I could ramble on with some sort of poetic answer and it would all be a bunch of, you know what, um, I'm super in the moment right now. I'm, I am daydreaming is fun and it's, it's usually like when, who's the next human being I'm going to come in contact with? Like it's, (laughs) it's silly stuff right now. And, and I, a legacy, right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm single without children. I just hope that my niece and nephew love me enough to come visit me in the old folks home someday. And that I, I made a, you know, a mark on their little lives, but I don't, I don't really think about it in a grand sense, except I know, I know how meaningful the connections and the relationships that I formed in all chapters of my life were when people took the time to stop and just be. And so there's this underpinning in everything I do in my coaching, in my podcast, in the newsletter I write, just be, it's just you and me, let's just be for the time that we have together. And if if that energy or that experience is something that lingers or lasts for people, I'm so okay with that. That's enough for me. Meg, I can't thank you enough for chatting. This whole conversation has just been such a boost. And I, I feel selfish saying this, but such a boost for me. Like what you just said, I I just want to end it right there because that is beautiful, but also like I want to remember that forever. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the the. Sp- base that you hold for us to have conversations like this. It's great. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Before you go, I would love to know what you had for breakfast this morning. Just send me an email, tim at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com and let me know what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.